Have you ever known someone who seemed to wander around in life just aimlessly? Just didn't have any kind of foundation, didn't know what they were going to do. Um, maybe you spent a part in your life when you were like that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what work. I don't know what direction I want to go in uh, or what God wants me wants to do with my life. I know at times that I felt like what, that way. But as we start thinking about that, the Bible tells us and instructs us, especially when it comes to uh, evangelism, what we can do. What can we do to share the gospel, to glorify Christ? What are some things that uh, would be an encouragement in that area? And so we have that. We have that guide in Scripture. And we're going to look at that this morning. One of the things I want to look at is what Christ said right here. And as far as going out and Him spreading the gospels, we looked at last week, and especially last Sunday night. We want to look at what Christ says right here. Look at what it says. It says, When He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They seemed aimless. What are these people going to do? Where is their leadership? Where is the guidance there? So what does Christ do about that? What does He encourage His disciples to do about this matter? When He sees this and His compassionate heart goes out to them, this is what He says. Then He said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Look at the many people who have no guide or leadership in their life. He says, but the laborers are few. Therefore, do what? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And what we're going to see this morning is very clearly some basic things we can do as far as evangelism. The number one thing we can do is to pray. Pray for the laborers. Pray that that the gospel will be spread out, that we ourselves need to pray for one another. And what we're going to look at from Colossians 4 is Paul exactly saying that. Here he is in prison in Colossians 4. And if I were in prison, I would not be thinking as far as um, evangelism. That probably would not be on my mind and heart. I'm thinking of, I need to get out of here. I need to move on and do something else. Uh, But Paul is thinking, while I'm in prison, pray that the gospel will be able to spread. You think about that, the gospel spreading, and Colossians and Romans are books that tell us about the gospel spreading throughout all the world. So here again we have, we have Paul doing that, and he asks for prayers so that the gospel would spread, and we have Jesus saying to his disciples, pray that laborers will go out into the harvest. And I think this is our big question for this morning. Here's our dilemma, here's the problem. Have you been praying for this? Do you pray for the gospel to spread? Do you pray for the church to grow? Do you pray for us to make disciples of those who will follow after Christ? And I think the big question here is right here on the screen. Is the lack of prayer and good works the reason that many churches are lacking in evangelism, lacking in growth, lacking in disciples? I've heard of churches that, that has been reported to me that they have prayed. They said, we want more children in the congregation. So we began praying. And there were so many children, we didn't have enough Bible classes. So you know what we did? We started praying for more teachers. And you know what? God blessed us with not just children, but teachers as well. And the congregation grew. A very basic and simple message this morning. That is, we as Christians can do something as far as evangelism, wherever our gift is, it can begin right here. That we pray, that we turn to God. And that we, we call on Him, help us, God, to be able to say the right things and have the wisdom to be able to speak the right things. We pray for one another. Pray for your elders. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the minister. I know I need it. 
in, in matters of sharing the gospel with others, that our life be changed by the, by the truth. And so we want to see the same thing in the community around us. We want to see it in our own body. So here are my observations. I'm going to give these ahead of time before we read Colossians 2, uh, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. What I see here is that steadfast prayers need to include prayers for God to open doors. The idea of open doors comes from the Bible, comes from the New Testament. We want open doors. We want to open the front doors and close the back doors. We don't want anybody coming in, hearing the truth, or anybody else kind of sneaking out the back. We want to open the front, close the back. And so that kind of talk comes from the Bible, comes from Colossians 4. Paul was seeking to evangelize while he was in prison. He's there because of the gospel. He's in prison in Rome under Nero. After the pursuit of the Jews didn't like him proclaiming the truth. That's where he is, and you know where his mind is. I want to proclaim the gospel. The apostle asked for prayers. I need prayers as how to speak. I have to start thinking about the one person or the people that should know the best way to speak are the apostles. But then they still want their brethren, their their, their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to be praying with them. So the apostle asked for prayers, how he may speak. Not only that, he wants to be able to speak with wisdom. Paul commanded these Christians, I want you to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Live in a way, behave in a way that will influence others. Jesus did the same. He told us to be what wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. And you read that there in Matthew 10 and verse, 9, verse 16. And then we read this, gracious speaking allows Christians to know how to answer each person. And I was reading this, I'm thinking, gracious speaking, well, I need the wisdom to be able to do the gracious speaking. How is the gracious speaking, that's what Paul says there, going to help me to be able to better answer others? This morning we're going to look at another passage in a moment from 1 Peter chapter 3 about always being ready to give an answer. We talked about these, we looked at some of these scriptures last Wednesday night, and every Wednesday we'll be following up on these sermons, going a little bit deeper, looking at further details on them. But I found this fascinating to me as I was studying over it. What have I missed here? And every time I go to the Scriptures, I'm always looking. What have I overlooked? So one of the observations that stood out to me again, gracious speaking. I need to speak in a way that, that demonstrates I care for others, that, I, I, that I, I'm merciful, that I'm not condemning, that I love people. And so I want to speak in a way that gives grace, that gives mercy. And that by the way that I speak and I speak to other people, it will open the door so that I can further share the gospel with them. Last week we looked at Acts 17. Paul has his first chance to speak in in Athens, in the Areopagus, at least before the the philosophers, that is. And he speaks about the nature of God. Speaks about the details of God and that leads him to sharing the gospel. And again, I see that here. How can I be gracious? How can I speak with wisdom? I need to be kind and loving. I need to prepare the soil for the seed. I need to speak about who God is. And then I need to plant the seed of the gospel. I need to share it with others. And in the next week, the next few weeks, we'll be talking about what do we share with others? What are we actually teaching as far as the gospel? And I hope that'll be helpful as well. But let's go on and read our passage here. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. I already see some of you got your Bibles open or your phone and you've already read the passage before I got to. I appreciate you doing that. But draw out your own observations from it. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Paul says this. 
He's talking to this young church. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So I think a little bit further about this. When Paul is talking here, he's, and he's in prison, and he's been able to speak to others. When we go to the book of Acts, it's oftentimes that he's speaking to governors, he's speaking to kings, He's speaking to the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. And every time he shares the gospel with them, he sees, here I am in in prison. Here I am going through what I'm going to be going through. But I have an opportunity now to share the truth, whatever circumstance it might be. And you can go and you can look at Acts 22, Acts 24, Acts 26. See the ways in which Paul spoke before others, even before the authorities. So what would happen if we all began praying for open doors to share the gospel? 2 Thessalonians, Paul also tells the Thessalonians, pray for me that the truth will be spread. What happened? When I look at the ministry of Paul, his is second to Christ. I don't know of any evangelist in the course of history who was able to take the gospel like that. And he went throughout the world. His first, second, and third missionary journey. I'm amazed at it. If I knew a missionary who could do that today, I mean, I want to support him. I want to give to him, and I definitely want to be praying for him. We need to be praying. Very simple, basic thing as far as evangelism. And I want you to think about your coworkers and your neighbors and your family. Are you praying for the wisdom to be able to speak to them, to be able to have doors open so you can uh, encourage them to follow Christ, to be a part of his body, to, to be a part of what his plan is, the mission of being a disciple and a follower of Jesus Showing his love and grace and forgiveness to the world around us. To be able to give the gospel so that others can have the hope of eternal life. I think that's a wonderful thing. I want to look at this now. First Peter chapter 3. Here you have a church and individuals are facing persecution. And, and Peter is speaking to them and encouraging them. In the face of persecution, what are these Christians thinking of? Well, their leaders, Peter and Paul, are thinking every time they're persecuted, every time they're going through suffering, there's going to be an opportunity to share the truth. So Christians, he says, should not fear being reviled. That means when people curse us, when they put us down, when they talk bad about us, don't fear it. Sometimes it is that bad press and that persecution that leads to more wonderful things. I can share the truth with others. I can demonstrate what it means to be a Christian, to suffer the way that Christ suffered, to be like him. So whether you're reviled or you suffer for righteousness' sake. Now it appears to me in 1 Peter that, that, that their persecution hasn't got to the shedding of blood. But people are speaking against them. They are having to endure this ridicule. And he goes on and he's going to say here, as we're going to read it in a minute. He says, God will bless those who suffer for righteousness. And that seems to be Peter's message throughout. He says it's a gracious thing before God for us to turn the other cheek. Furthermore, honor Christ as holy in your heart. So whatever you're going through, always make sure that Christ is holy in your heart. And that, that might be something that we think would be obvious. Obvious for Christians, of course I'm going to respect who Jesus is and know who He is. 
But I need to set him apart. In my mind and in my thinking, he's got to be foremost in how I honor him and respect him. He's not simply a mechanism and an agent for my salvation. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead so I can have eternal life. He is holy. This week I had a man come up to the, to the building. I want to be cautious in how I present this. But the way in which the man spoke to me and, and was talking to me about his life, at one point he said, I have the Holy Spirit. And the next point he used a large amount of profanity. And I think we need to understand what it means that I am following a holy God. God it even says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, when you listen to Peter, Peter says, God wants you to be holy because he is holy. And if I am to say, yes, the Holy Spirit dwells within me, then I need to demonstrate that by the way that I live, the words that I speak and the things that I do. So I want to honor Christ as holy in my heart, live in a way that shows that. And he says in all of this, through this persecution, through all of this, because I am honoring Christ in my heart, that means I am prepared to give a defense. The Greek word there is apologias. Where we get the word for apologetics. We defend our faith. He says, I want you to give a defense of the hope within you. And when you do it, you do it with gentleness and respect toward others. I remember when I first became a Christian and some of my friends and those who I've talked to, if they disagree with me, I did not respond with gentleness and respect. And I look back, back on it, regret that, and I, I pray God forgive me of the way that I spoke. We see the truth right here. We give it offense to the hope, the hope of eternal life, the hope of the blessings that only come through Jesus because he conquered death. And we see how we are to speak. And then Peter says, then I want you to live in good behavior. That ties in with holiness again. Peter emphasizes that throughout 1 Peter. So that those who revile you, they'll be ashamed of what they say. In fact, you go into chapter 4, and if you have your Bibles open, look at 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> and he says, you don't go into debauchery. You don't live the life that they do. And even when they revile you, they will ultimately be ashamed because you live a life that shows that you are not a hypocrite, that you live by what you believe in that your faith produces works. And then he says it's better to suffer for doing good than to do evil. Why go out and join them in their evil? Why, when someone curses you, do you revile them back? He says, don't do that. It's better for you to suffer. God believes and says, God demonstrates and he's faithful that that is a wonderful thing, that you endure that. Let's read that. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I hope that you will draw your own observations from it as well. But this morning, I wanted to look at Colossians 4, and I wanted to look at uh, 1 Peter and these passages, and uh, draw out a little bit further for ourselves, because they're so similar. Some things that are definitely essential for evangelism. So 1 Peter chapter 3, 13-17. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Blessed by who? Blessed by God. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Don't fear those who are reviling you. Verse 15. But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 
For it is better to suffer for doing good if, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And if you continue reading, look at verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, he was made alive in the spirit. And the scripture goes on there, even emphasizing the importance of baptism. The point is this morning, we see how we are to behave, how we are to demonstrate holiness, how we are to glorify God. Christ suffered through persecution, through his death. The ultimate example is right there, how we can spread the truth, even by the way that we live, even by the way that we endure persecution. And all of that we pray. I love this passage. Here's Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And brethren, we need to think in that way. When Jesus says, you are the light of the world, when I read that passage, I feel excited. Christ is saying that to me. He's saying that to his disciples, to his followers. You are a light in the world. Do you believe that? You are a city set on a hill. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket and on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Well, how can I be that? How am I that light? He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Let people know that I'm a Christian. Let them know I will pray for you. I will be there for you. I will serve you. I will act like one who is following after Christ. And he says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I've always looked at this passage here in Matthew 5. And here Jesus is saying, let your works be shown to glorify Jesus. And then you go to Matthew chapter 6. And what is Jesus saying? He says, don't do your works so that men will see them. In other words, not to give glory to yourself. And you've got to balance the two. You're looking at Matthew 6. You're looking at Matthew chapter 5. Here Jesus is saying, be a light into the world. Because that's who you are. Of your good works, give glory to God. But it's not about you. It's not about your holiness. It is to give glory to God in heaven so that others will worship Him and turn to Him. I love this passage from Daniel 12. I encourage you to go over to Daniel 12 because the context is wonderful too. Daniel 12, chapter 12, verse 3, last chapter. And Daniel says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I love that. The idea of us being light, of us being that example, of us being like stars that shine forever and ever because we lead others to righteousness. And the verse right before it is one of my favorites. In Daniel 12, verse 2, he says, Listen, you want eternal life. You know how to live a right life. And God will raise you up on the last day. He will awaken you. Beautiful Scripture. I hope as we think about the things this morning and we accumulate and we put these Scriptures together, we see two very important things. The beginning of evangelism starts here. Number one, I pray. I pray for open doors. I pray to share the truth. And number two, that I'm an example. I glorify God in the way that I behave. Not as a hypocrite, but in love and gentleness toward others. So we can share the truth. There it is. This is where we begin. You might be wondering, I don't feel like I'm prepared. I don't know enough. Whatever things that seem to get in our way in sharing our faith with others, this is where we start. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you this morning.
I know this is true. Some people say, well, I'm not a very good teacher, not a very good speaker. I don't think I know enough. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God's given every one of us a gift, a gift to use in the mission of the church, in the mission of the church. Jesus said very clearly, in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. That's our mission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do to make disciples. You baptize them. And then what? You teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you and law I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our mission. Every one of us have a role in it. I want you to look at your gifts, your abilities, make sure that you're using them in the glory of Christ and that we continue on this mission of making disciples. I love this passage here. Luke 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather uh, with me scatters. I do not be, want to be one who scatters. I do not want to stand before God in the day of judgment and say that I was not gathering and that I was against, ultimately against Christ. And in all of this, we see what it means, the meaning of life, why God has created us. And it is to know God. That's why your Bible is written to know who your Creator is so you can become like Him, so you can love like Him, and so that you can glorify Him and that God can give us the promises of eternal life. We want to continue on that mission. Let's pray. Let's be that example. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to do that. We want you to become a Christian. That you, having believed and confessing, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He rose from the dead, with that confession, you need to repent of your sins. Die to yourself. Bury that old person in the water of baptism and rise up. It is God who raises us up from baptism. It's not of our own work. It is God who saves us. And you read it right here in Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, Having been buried with Him in baptism, we bury that old person, in which you are also raised with Him through faith. It is an act of faith to be baptized. Someone who refuses baptism is refusing faith. They were raised with Him, raised with Christ through faith, but in the powerful working of God, is God who's doing the work, who raised Him from the dead, and you who are dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. That's how we are before baptism. We are dead. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. And I thank God for that. I thank God that all my sins are washed away, that I can go to Him and confess my sins. And if you've been struggling and you need to repent, do that. Turn back to Christ. Ask Him for forgiveness. We want to pray with you encourage you. If you haven't been baptized yet, you haven't had all your sins washed away, we encourage you to obey the gospel. Whatever your needs are this morning, please come while we stand and while we sing.